0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. It's time for The Milkman of St. Gav's, starring Howie the Milkman. The sun was setting on my hometown as I sailed towards my new home across the waves. I sailed on through the night and into the dawn. Passing the southern tip of St. Gaff's Island, I saw the ferry pass me in the distance. The glow of its lights shone like a beacon of permanent hope on a forlorn sea. I wondered if radio transmissions were flying invisibly over my head warning the other milkmen about me. I'd show them all soon enough though. There was only a mild wind, so it was slow going. The wind didn't change direction though, so I just clamped the lines in place and enjoyed the slow ride to the other side. It took me all night and all day to get to the east coast of St. Gath's. Luckily, the ship's owner had packed a lot of salmon jerky and there was a big jug of water, and there weren't any birds around. So the crossing over was really a good time for some reflection and contemplation. As I chewed the tasty jerky and watched the shimmery waves, I thought about how different my life was from my dad's. I bet he'd blow a gasket if he saw me now, a red-badged milkman sailing across the channel trying to help our country win the war. As evening set in for the second time on my journey, I used the geyser to guide me up the coast. I knew I couldn't just sail right into the St. Gaff's Harbor, so I aimed for somewhere beyond Travis and Naomi's cottage and the town. With the last little bits of daylight, I expertly sailed my skiff onto the gravel beach. I had to be careful getting out since the drop-off in the water was really steep. After the beach, the water was actually really deep. I managed to keep my feet dry though as I tied the skiff to a scraggly tree. Then I walked towards the geyser. It glowed brighter and brighter as the sky got darker. As I got in amongst the houses of St. Gaffs, the town seemed grayer and darker than I remembered it. I guess I'd gotten used to the quiet when I lived here. I knew where I was going but the streets seemed to confuse me somehow. I accidentally ended up down by the waterfront where I heard a strangely familiar moaning and I thought I saw a shape tied to a pole. And the moaning really seemed to be accusing me. Of what? I had no idea. I walked inland away from the phantasm. In the shadowy alleys, I thought I heard old man Billings cursing my name. County, buckle my arse. And old Professor Florsham expounding on St. Hobbes. Nice evening for a walk, isn't it? These maudlin streets were too full of ghosts and old memories for me. They swarmed and crowded and buffeted me, and I feared I might not be able to achieve what I was here to achieve. I passed by the old house with the old bench where the old radio was. Good old Mercy and Grand. The house was empty now, the rose bushes mostly dead. I stumbled almost blindly past the now gloomy church. Howie? It was Father Whelan, and not his ghost, walking with an oil lamp up the street. Father Whelan? You look terrible, Howie. What are you doing here? I came back to see if I could... well... Don't worry, my son. You don't have to tell me. I know you're in trouble. I know the milkmen are after you. Come in here. He unlocked the big doors with a huge brass key. You get some sleep and we'll figure it out together in the morning. And then, like that wonderful night so long ago when the wolves were terrorizing the town, I slept wrapped up in a blanket on a pew, but without my beloved Stormy and without any light from the grey bones overhead. I hadn't slept a wink on the boat ride over, so I drifted off into one of my most recent recurring nightmares about the baby whale I might have inadvertently and indirectly killed. It's a shame that life was like that sometimes. Why did they make baby whales so delicate and fragile when the arctic sea can be so cruel? I really didn't know. I just saw the baby whale nosing around its dead mother, not knowing what to do or what to eat and I was trying to swim around and help out, but the water was freezing and I could hardly move a muscle. I jumped up on the pew. What was I doing in here? I had a job to do. I couldn't let ghosts or nightmares stop me from doing my duty. I threw off the warm wool blanket and jumped to my feet. I tiptoed to the front door and managed to open it without too much noise. The bad thing is that I couldn't close the door behind me. I always felt bad about that afterwards, not being able to close the door behind me. I always wondered if it caused Father Whelan any problems. I walked back out into the night. It was colder now. Not too much longer until the dawn of that fateful day. I knew what I had to do and I was going to do it, sticking to the shadows so as not to be seen. I saw, up against the wall of the milk station, yet another shadowy figure, some ghost come to haunt me, no doubt. As I got closer, it wasn't a ghost at all, it was a man, peering in the window. I must have kicked a rock or some other noise. The man turned, and there, back from the dead, was Mr. Greenwood. I was dumbfounded. Oh, hi there, Howie, I just… you're not dead? So Stormy never told you, good girl. No, Stormy definitely doesn't think you're alive. She still cries herself to sleep half the time. What happened? She didn't get my letter? I reached back through my memory, and then something clicked. So you were the one writing coded messages? Yes. Oh, I thought Stormy might have been communicating with enemy agents. I burned that letter. I'd really never seen such a mild-mannered person get so mad so quickly. His face turned red, and I think that if he'd had a knife or a gun, he would have killed me right then and there. Look at it from my point of view, how could I have known it was yours? There was no address or anything, and we're at war, come on. I could see that he was pulling himself together. You have to tell her I'm alive. Sure, if I ever get the chance. To tell you the truth, the milkmen are after me now. Why? Oh, they think I killed my boss, which isn't exactly true. So... Mr. Corwin is dead? No, no, it was Dwyer and Mingsbite. You didn't even know we moved to Mingsbite, Stormy and I? The people here weren't very nice to her after everything happened. I didn't. That must be why the house was empty. How is she? She's fine, working at a grocer's. But what happened to you? Shh. We heard someone walking by and ducked into the shadows. After whoever it was left, Mr. Greenwood told me all about his trip to Elkhorn and about how he couldn't tell anyone he was there. Then why did you come back to St. Gaff's to see Stormy? No, in Elkhorn, we noticed that all the dreams have stopped and that the whalebones had all gone dark. We deduced that the last of the Felena must somehow have died. I thought to myself that Howie Coxwell probably had something to do with it, so they sent me here to find out what happened and to rectify the situation. Rectify it? How? By administering a large quantity of properly treated phlogisterian into the sea. So you know yes howie the geyser it's pure phlogisterian i've somehow got to alter the thermalizer fill it up and pump it into the sea up to now i'd been enjoying my chat with mr greenwood but it was clear that we'd both figured out the truth about the geyser i was a little concerned about where he was going with all this we've also figured out what the milkman wanted with the phlogisterian we No, they've used it as a weapon, and we're determined to stop their access to it. If they ever find out what the geyser is made of, they'll have ready access to a horrendously destructive weapon. We can't allow that to happen. I really didn't like the sound of that, but you'll help me, won't you, Howie? The milkmen are after you too now. You know what sorts of evil things they've been up to. I had to think fast. On the one hand, I wanted to be the one to show the milkmen that the geyser was phlogisterian in order to redeem myself and get my career back on track, and Mr. Greenwood was planning on messing that all up by turning off the geyser and interfering with the thermalizer. On the other hand, I'd nearly gotten the man killed, and if Stormy ever found out that I'd done him any harm after finding out he was alive, she'd be furious. I figured the best thing to do would be to go along with his plan. Maybe if i dragged my feet a bit, by the time he was done tinkering with the thermalizer, the other milkmen would arrive for their morning rounds and I could just kind of extricate myself from the situation and let them handle Mr. Greenwood, and then I could still be the hero for finding the phlogisterian. Sure, Mr. Greenwood, the poison gas they made really is an awful weapon. Good. I believe we only have a couple of hours before the milkmen arrive for work. We've got to get inside the station. Oh, no problem. I knew where Frank hid his keys, since he forgot them all the time, under the mat at the front door. We got in and sure enough, there was the thermalizer, just sitting there. I can retrofit this without too much difficulty. I watched Mr. Greenwood tinker for a while. He had a closer look. We have a problem, Thawi. The intake tube has been damaged. If we try to place it over the geyser, the pressure will be too much. It will destroy the machine. Can't we just fill some buckets and pour it in? It will only work if the incoming liquid has a precise amount of pressure. More than a bucket, but less than a geyser. And in any case, I must find a way to stop the geyser when we're done so the milkmen can't use it. And then, without thinking about what I was saying, I just blurted out. I saw a tap down there. I bet I could turn it off. Brilliant, Howie. You turn it off and I'll position the intake tube at just the right moment. Now help me wheel the thermalizer out. We'll put it on a milk truck and drive it to the coast when it's full. We got a flat dolly thing and it turned out that the thermalizer wasn't as heavy as I thought. With some grunting, we got it onto the dolly. But then a light went on in the front room. Shh, I'll go see who it is. I walked back, and sure enough, there was the peckerhead getting ready to open the station. Howie? Hey, Albert. You're in trouble. We're supposed to catch you. I kept staring at the stupid scar in his head as he spoke. You probably got a message from the radio tower. Yes, exactly. Listen, Albert, enemy forces have infiltrated the transmission station in Mingsbite. They've been trying to trick you, saying that I'm working for them. You've got to help us get this thing on a milk truck, or all will be lost. We? Then Mr. Greenwood appeared. Hey! I winked at Mr. Greenwood. Mr. Greenwood's been in hiding. We have to move quickly. Why don't we wait for the other milkmen to get here? No, Albert, there's no time. As a red badge milkman, I command you to help. Quick. So he helped Mr. Greenwood open one of the big doors on the side of the station, and we wheeled the thermalizer to the parking lot. We were all lit up green from the geyser. The geology men had made a manhole-covered tunnel to examine the roots of the geyser. They never found anything interesting, but I knew I would. And sure enough it met up with the stairway down in the darkness. I'd forgotten to take a lantern or anything but there was a faint glow a couple of hundred feet below the base of the stairs. I walked down as carefully as I could. It was so quiet down here except for the humming of some machine. When I got to the bottom there was an automatic washing machine humming away. There was a tap on the wall behind it just as I'd suspected. I turned it and there were all these noises of pipes clanking and popping. I ran back up the stairs as the lights got dimmer. And there was the thermalizer, glowing green. And there was Mr. Greenwood standing beside it, beaming. It worked! Now to get this to the sea. (gasps) How you could help too. I am helping. I'm helping from up here. Me and Albert and Mr. Greenwood were really struggling to get the machine up onto the back of the milk truck, but we finally succeeded. McMurtle, what the hell are you doing? Howie, get down from there. It was Corwin. He looked really mad. Beaver was beside him. I was on the back of the truck. Beaver, get the police here now. And Beaver ran off as best he could. Mr. Greenwood jumped in the truck. I never would have expected this from you, Coxwell. Mr. Corwin, it's not what you think. It was all Mr. But Mr. Greenwood hit the gas and I had to hang on for dear life. Who knew the old guy could drive like that? The last I saw of Corwin, he was turning red with rage. How was I going to sort this out now? The pecker just stood there looking confused and for a moment, I almost envied his obliviousness. Anyways, there was nothing I could do now but hold on to the thermalizer and enjoy the ride usually when i went out this way i was driving so i never got a chance to just look around all the nicely kept pastel houses could i have ever been happy in one of those i guess that it didn't matter now we drove out to the coast road and out of town it was almost peaceful watching the rosy red fingers of dawn stretching out across the ocean the stars fading the moons hanging low it looked like it was going to be a beautiful day but then I saw a cloud of dust coming our way along the road from town. Another milk truck in the distance. Mr. Greenwood stopped at a place where the road was pretty close to the water, and he got out. We were most of the way to the fisherman's cottage. We've got to get it in the water. How do we get it in without tipping it over? Get the back open. Look! It was Travis, running towards us with his harpoon and big helmet, Someone was running a ways behind him, shadowy in the pre-dawn. I saw the geyser went out. What's happening? Travis yelled. But before Mr. Greenwood could answer, she threw off the blanket she was wrapped in. She must have come over on the ferry. I saw that black hair tumble out. Stormy, she saw her father. Dad! Tears bursting, she ran into his arms. You're... Mr. Greenwood held her tight and he looked so at peace and she looked so happy with her face on her dad's shoulder even with all the tears and sobbing. Something snapped in me and all of a sudden, the only thing I wanted in the world was for them to stay there like that. A shot rang out, Beaver was getting out of the milk truck, they'd caught up to us. Fire. A fat cop and a thin cop were there with rifles, one was aiming at us. Travis ran at them and threw his harpoon. It grazed the fat cop. The thin cop shot at him and Travis went down, the bullet ricocheting off his helmet. I was sort of frozen there. I looked back and Stormy and Mr. Greenwood were just there by themselves like nothing could touch them. I turned again and Beaver was loading a shotgun. I knew what I had to do. I jumped in the milk truck, turned it on and put my foot to the floor. Luckily, Beaver and the cops were all standing close together. I had enough room to get up to a good speed. I knew this would probably be the end of my career as a milkman, but that image of Stormy and her dad there on the coast road was all I could see, and I couldn't let the milkmen break them apart. The sound of the impact was much worse than when I'd hit the muskrat, But I saw the three bodies go flying as I flew forward, smashing into the windshield. The milk truck flipped over. I saw the ground above me out the window. The truck hit the ground and rolled right over the edge into the deep green sea. And, with me inside, it sank like a stone. The thermalizer had gone flying too, and a split second later, I saw it splash down, shooting phlogisterion from the spout. I tried to get the milk truck door open, but I couldn't. I pushed and pushed the door, losing air, but I kept going down and down. The sea, though, was turning all green and bright. Finally, I managed to get the door open. I'd forgotten that it was locked, but I was so cold in the icy water, I knew as I pushed my way out of the milk truck that I was never going to make it to the top. But just before, I saw the Fulena, dozens of them, swimming out to sea. And then, I couldn't push towards the surface anymore. I sank again, back down, watching the Fulena swim free. After I was done sinking, I started floating up and up and up. And as I floated off, I saw Beaver, his leg bent backwards, trying to crawl to his truck. The thin cop was dead and broken, the fat cop bleeding all over the rocks. I saw Travis getting up and holding his head. I drifted over our town. It looked so quaint, like a whale mass ornament down there. I floated past the cathedral and I smiled to myself. All the stained glass windows were glowing green. The bones had come alive again. Out towards the harbor, I saw my old building for the last time. The roof where we'd tried to listen to the radio the sun was coming up as i was almost blown out over the sea and there out at sea i saw a fancy futuristic looking boat sailing off into the horizon the man from elkhorn held the wheel and stormy and her dad were there still locked together i hoped forever